Welcome to the Faith and Family Podcast. My name is Taylor and I am joined by my husband, Joe. And today we're gonna dive into a topic in a little bit, but we wanted to give parents a heads up. We're gonna be discussing the tragic events that occurred last week in Nashville. And if you have young children listening and you're not ready to have this conversation with them, we encourage you to choose a different episode and come back to this one at a later time. Last week on March 27th, an armed person entered the Covenant School and took the lives of six innocent people, including three students and three staff members. They were Evelyn Dickhouse, William Kinney, and Haley Scruggs, all age nine. Substitute teacher, Cynthia Peak, 61. Custodian, Mike Hill, also age 61. And head of school, Catherine Kuntz, age 60. It's heartbreaking to hear about tragedies like this, and unfortunately, it's not an isolated incident. So far in 2023, 74 people have been injured or killed in school shootings. As parents, we know you may be having difficult conversations with your kids about these situations. Your kids have been put through drills on what to do if an armed person enters the school, and they might be struggling with anxiety or fear as a result. That's why we've invited these two people to join us today. Today, we have Jesse and Andrea Holt joining us. Jesse leads a church in Oxford, Michigan called Lake Point Church, and Andrea helps start what's called the Resiliency Center in Oxford that specifically helps students who were impacted in the Oxford school shootings in November of 2021. Jesse serves as the pastor of Lake Point Church there, and Jesse has had um, the opportunity to walk through um, this tragedy with the families and community in Oxford. And so they're going to be sharing their insights on how to respond, um, not only when these situations happen in communities, but also some of the mental health things that are happening in this as well. We hope that this episode will provide guidance and support for parents and families who may be struggling. So let's get started. All right. Well, hey, thanks, Andrea and Jesse, for being here today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Jesse, what do you what do? You do? So I'm uh, the senior pastor at Lake Point Community Church out in Oxford. Um, the church has been there for over about 40 years now, uh, and I am senior pastor. Uh, and I have been for the last three years. Before that, I was the executive pastor on staff. So I've been there for about three years in the lead pastor position. So you've been yep. as the senior pastor there, um, you know, in regards to, you know, when Oxford had their school shooting, you were kind of, your church kind of became the the church in the area. Like, walk me through a little bit of what happened with that. Well, so it was within uh, my first year of being a senior pastor, and uh, we actually just kind of came off of COVID. Our church was hit pretty hard. We had about uh, a fifth of our congregation all had COVID at the same time. Oh, my goodness. And right after the uh, COVID, uh, where we had, you know, 80, 85 people all kind of coming off of that, just uh, about a month later, uh, we had the shooting at the school. Uh, we have quite a few at that time, 26 students that were a part of our church mm-hmm. that were in the high school at the time. Goodness. Wow. Yeah, so you you had kind of a front row seat to this. And um, Andrea, your wife, tell me a little bit about your kind of involvement and what you do a little bit and what you've done. Uh, so for... About five years, I was a student life pastor for our church. And so that meant that 26 of my youth group students were in the high school that day. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of students in the middle school and the elementary school and just working through texting, um, 
making sure that day they were safe, texting prayers and support while they were in lockdown. And then um, just helping us navigate moving forward as a youth ministry um, the days and weeks and months after. Yeah. And Andrea, you you shared with us that you were part of the Resiliency Center. What what was that and what was your role in that? Um, I was uh, brought in to work with students and educational staff uh, to help them navigate their healing, their healing journey. And um, so that could be um, maybe workshops, doing therapy groups or one-on-one therapy. But I was basically their advocate to help them navigate what would work best for them and their family. And this was a a building and a place that was in response to the Oxford shooting. Yes. So when a community has a mass shooting, which is considered four or more deaths from a shooting, they can apply for a grant from the Department of Justice. And Oxford applied. And the result of that was the founding of the Resiliency Center um, to support the community. And um, it's a beautiful place and everything is free. Wow, that's amazing today. And you guys are also mm-hmm. parents too. What are the ages of your students that you have that are, you know, your kids? <laughs> your students. Your students. <laughs> yeah. I know. So used to say. Um, our oldest son is 20 and he graduated from Oxford High School the COVID year. So oh boy. <laughs> he didn't really have a traditional senior year. Mm-hmm. And then um, we have a 14 year old who was in eighth grade last year and um, was in Bully Busters. His mentor was taking mirrors. So that was quite impactful for him. Um, And then our daughter is 12. She's in seventh grade and she was in sixth grade last year during the um, crisis that happened. And um, yeah, it's been interesting supporting our community, but also just navigating this with our own family. Yeah. And how do you navigate that when tragedy strikes, um, like for you guys as parents, how do you balance you know, kind of sharing the truth of what's happening, but also kind of, you know, maybe protecting your kids who, you know, you said you had one not quite at the high school yet. Like, how do you have those conversations with your kids when something like that happens? We um, really try to acknowledge how they're feeling and their thoughts for that moment. Um, Validate how they're feeling, if it's afraid or scared or angry. And um, then just as parents, we... um, always try to affirm them and ourselves in God's love for us and how he's always with us, um, how he never leaves us and that it's okay to not be okay. Right. And that he's walking with us. Yeah. That, that's a big part of like our family dynamic. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I'm curious, um, how like so because you've you've been able to interact with so many students who were affected and maybe so many students who were not directly affected i i'm just curious what like the pulse that you have on these and i know oxford is the community that you get to be a part of but um how is this affecting the mental health of our children well we are finding that um it's it's about creating space creating safe space and normalizing mental health and emotional health and yeah. spiritual health as a Christian home. But 
just in our community alone, there are ripple effects. Like everyone is affected. Um, we we really try to encourage families to follow the lead of their their children. Yeah. They use language that works for your younger children. Use language that works for your middle school children. Use language that works for your high school. Every They're all at different developmental stages. Right. Don't overcomplicate it or over detail it for your young students. Um, yeah. That just gets them more confused or worried. Um, and really assuring them it's okay to not be okay and right. and then helping them um, with tools to empower them to be able to give them a language. Yeah. I don't feel safe. I feel scared. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. And say, I, I see you're frustrated. I hear you're scared. I am too sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And reflect that back to them. And in our community, um, for the most part, most of our elementary students are really doing well. They're mm-hmm. doing wonderful. They're resilient little ones. They are. And yeah. there are a handful that are very scared and worried. They have older brothers and sisters in school. Mommy works at a school. Yeah. Mommy's a and teacher. And they're doing drills. Like yes. they're, they're, they're practicing now active shooter drills. Right. And oh, that's, yeah, that's becoming crazy. normal, right? Yeah. Yeah. For our It's like the drills kids. that we had when I was a student were like, you have your fire drill, you have your bomb drill, and maybe like, uh, you know, gas. But like now it's like a whole other a like tornado drill. Tornado yeah. drill like yeah. those things it's just gotten so ramped up i know you talked a little bit about even um you know kind of children and students walking through this but what about parents like this is taking a toll on parents mental health i know you guys are parents um you know we're not quite at the age where we have kids in school yet we have a five-year-old who's in kindergarten but like we get the emails from the school district saying there's a drill happening today and like you know for us like you know we're not there yet where you guys you know you send your kids to schools you have that you know it, for us, we're like, I mean, we're not there yet, but like, how do you balance that mental health or talk to parents about that? We um, really try to encourage parents to model self care, mm-hmm. um, to model deep breathing. As a family, we like, if my child's struggling, we first things first, let's take some deep breaths. Let's just. Yeah you know, get our system, our body calmed down right. and clear because when we're anxious, when we're scared, we hold our breaths yeah. and then our brains are like devoid, our body of that right. oxygen. And um, another thing we really encourage parents to do is to not um, well, not project their fear and their mm-hmm their struggle onto their child because their child might be doing really well. And this is a real common thing. I had parents bring their student in to talk with me and it was really the parent who was struggling, not mm. the student. Gotcha. Yeah. The student was doing really well, but the parent was projecting that onto their child and yeah. that's just not healthy. And the parent wasn't ready to, to even acknowledge their own feelings. Wow. So that's really important. Like, make sure yeah. that you're taking care of yourself as a parent so you can take care of your kids. You know, like the airplane yeah. safety. You got to put on your oxygen mask first before you put it on your own child. Yeah. Right. I would say, I think that's, I, I could imagine, and I, I could be wrong, but I could imagine that that, like, right now in this season, after the Nashville um, shooting it, it's it probably is primarily parents because we're the ones that are on the news. We are the ones on social media and Facebook right. and all of the things. So like we're getting it from every every space. Um, so I could imagine that 
parents are dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with like concern with even sending their children to school. Um, and so like, I, I know you just touched on it a little bit, but how do we, pro- how do we protect our children from our big feelings as parents? Again, it's modeling for like just modeling self-care, but also when you are sad and this mommy, why are you crying? Well, I'm sad, honey. Yeah. I'm sad because something bad happened. It made me sad. And if they say, well, what happened? Say, well, people were hurt. And that makes mommy sad. And it's okay to be sad. But you know what makes me so happy? And we can't forget those blessings that we do have. And to redirect our focus on, we have a beautiful home and we're going to make cookies together today. Um, when the Nashville shooting happened, we were on family vacation. We didn't, people were blowing up our phones mm. and I just turned it off. I said, thank you so much. I turned it off and I didn't want to say a word to my kids. We were on family vacation. Yeah. I did not want them to know. And my daughter, we finally got to a point where it was quiet and she pulled out her phone for the first time like later in the afternoon, which is remarkable for a middle school student. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> she pulled out her phone and she quick looked up at me and her eyes filled with tears. And we pulled aside. She said, Mommy, Mama, did you hear about Nashville? And I said, I did, sweetie. Mm. I said, let's just keep this with us. And we said a prayer together and we just held hands the whole day. We acknowledged it. Yeah. We didn't say, oh, we'll talk about it later. We you didn't brush it off. Right. Yeah. Because... We want to teach our children that we are resilient. We can move forward. We're going to commit this to prayer, to pray for those families, but we're not going to ignore it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to stuff it. And then we said, we're not going to make it the center of our day. We're going to focus on celebrating our family today. So yeah, that that's there's, but each child's different. Each family's different. I'm a big proponent of not stuffing and hiding things um, as much as possible. Yeah. And I, my, my other question would be what, what should we be looking for in our kids? Like what kind of behaviors would we notice if maybe they were struggling with anxiety in general or maybe maybe it is around this topic and we don't know about it? Like, what should we be looking for? The um, first things I always look at are eating. Is your child eating? Um, I know kids are picky eaters yeah. and even my kids now are still fussy. They want the junk food all the time. Oh, ours too. <laughs> but um, really, kids don't have... Um, if they're just eating all the time and they just, to distract themselves or they're, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry. I don't feel good. I'm not hungry. I'm tired Mm. or I can't sleep. Can I sleep with you? I'm Mm. scared. So I always look at eating and sleeping. Um, And then we say, uh, if they're talking a lot or hyper-focused on, you know, Am I safe? Um, the bad guy. That's mm-hmm. a lot of language that kids use. Smaller children, the sure. bad guy. Right. Um, and when it starts interrupting our normal way of life, like family rhythm, yeah. where, okay, we're on like our third week of not sleeping. Yeah. And the Calm app isn't working, the prayer, like yeah. the special blankie, like yeah. all these things, and they're wanting to be with you. We need to get help. 
yeah. we need we need to talk to our pediatrician mm. um, and then just start discussing maybe a lot of kids just need to talk to a child psychologist one or two times and they feel good they feel great yeah they're able to to get some pro- some processing out and they're skilled they're trauma informed and trauma trained that's yeah. really important yeah um cuz there are a lot of clinicians that are not and they do more damage than good yeah so we really try to encourage families when you see see that you can't function in life as normal. We're missing a lot of school. They're withdrawing, disassociating from friends or um, just being social even with yeah. the family. Then we need to get help. Yeah. yeah, I love that you kind of, you know, you guys, you know, as pastors of a church and, you know, you have the spiritual side. And how do you kind of tie that into when, you know, your kids are feeling this way or when, you know, a student's family is feeling this way? Like, how do you tie in, you know, your faith into this? Because like I said, there's a lot, ton of practical things you guys um, are talking about and it's super helpful. But I love that, you know, as followers of Jesus, we have, we have Jesus in this whole thing too. And so how do you tie it back to Jesus in these moments? I mean, Jesse or Andrea, yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a combination of what Andrea was saying there with listening first Mm -hmm. uh, to your child and and listening to what they're saying, the language that they're using, uh, giving them the age-appropriate answers uh, according to, you know, where they are in in life. Um, But I think uh, when it comes to the matters of faith, uh, it's it's really good to be honest, especially if you don't know, mm-hmm. especially if there's questions, you know, about God or why does this happen? How do these things keep happening? Yeah. Uh, I think the the general answer is I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you can get the focus off of uh, when evil is done that the Lord is causing it or allowing it. I think you focus on the evil is being done by people. Sure. Uh, the evil is being done by this person. It's not... Um, and even some of the the mental health of the people, they might say, well, God, you know, told me to do these things or whatever. And so you kind of start with, I really don't know how all this works, but get the focus off of God causing these things, get it on to the, the people, the evil that people do. But I, then I think you have to kind of come back and reinforce yeah. faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you really have to reinforce hope. Yeah. Uh, and and so with those two things, you as a parent need to also have your faith and hope and trust in the Lord and be uh, right. focused on that. Even if you feel um, weak in it, uh, we have to have hope is still a good statement to even use, yeah. uh, even if you have a weak faith at the moment over that. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that you, like, I think... It's okay to say, I don't know. Like, I don't know why this is happening. And I think by you saying that and still um, having that firm foundation and love for Christ, you're modeling faith that way because faith is, I don't know, but I still trust God. And I think that being able to be vulnerable with your kids and saying, I don't know, but I I do know that my hope is in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's, That's big. Yeah, I know in our world, like we... We work with student vol- or volunteers who lead students in small groups, and I always talk to them. I said one of the, like the most powerful things you can do for your students is telling them like I don't know because 
I think so often as followers of Jesus, we have to sometimes maybe put this shell of ourselves up that says like, nope, we are strong, we are good, we have have faith, we have, we're good, we have this, but we don't allow ourselves to like either grow or have that feeling of like showing, you know, our own kids or our students and our ministries um, that like, we don't know. And sometimes like life is hard, like faith is difficult. Like just because you sign up to be a follower of Jesus doesn't mean everything in this world is gonna just be, you know, amazing and hunky dory for you. Like it's, there's tension there. And so I love that idea of saying like, I don't know, but how can, you know, how do you walk through this? And I think it's a... And I, and I think to kind of tag to what you just said there, um, it, it it's really good to, uh, when you don't know and if, if you don't have those things, it, it is just to keep the focus um, on... You know, these, I think we as Christians, let me say it this way, we as Christians, we as people of faith need to be either comfortable or uncomfortable right. in the mysteries yeah. and right. not let those drive us away from faith, but just say, you know what? I don't understand. I don't have the understanding. And so we pray, like Paul said, give me a peace that surpasses my understanding. Uh, That was one of the, one of the prayers I constantly and continue to pray with my congregation is when we don't understand, when we don't uh, fully get it, we, we ask the Lord for wisdom. But if we don't have that understanding, then we pray for the peace. We pray for the hope that surpasses our understanding that goes above it. Which is so funny. It's just like so counterintuitive to what we want as people. Like we, we pray for answer. understanding. We right. pray for why does this make, or why is this happening? Why, you know, why God, you know, why is this another one of these, you mm-hmm. know, shootings happening? Why, why, why? And like, we want to understand why, but we so often don't pray for that piece of like, I don't know. Like that's, that's such a difficult and challenging tension to live in as parents even. And I would say even like the tough question that I've heard circling around in our communities is, well, why didn't God stop it? Mm. Like, why did he allow this to happen? If oh, God yeah. is so powerful and, and all-knowing, why didn't he stop it? Especially like, with how- kids is like, you know, with the way kids' brains work is like, they it's a cause and a reaction. So going like, yeah, like why? So as a, you know, as a pastor, and I know it's like, you know, it's a question that we all have to wrestle <laughs> with, but like, how do you respond when, you know, a family, you know, you guys were involved in like the Oxford shooting. So when these families are, you know, at their lowest points asking these questions, how do you respond as a pastor, as a church, as a community? Well, to me, the the first thing that I say, let me let me kind of break yeah. it down. Yeah, we can. <laughs> just we'll just let me let me deal with the philosophical side of yeah. it first. Yeah. You know, the overreaching, and then I'll sure. give the practical piece. Yeah. I, I, I know and I believe people of faith have to have you have to have knowledge of three things. First, uh, that there is a God. You have to you have to know that. Uh, but secondly, mm-hmm. there's also evil and there is sin in the world. But I think of those two things, everybody, and that's the third part, everybody has a choice to choose between good and between doing things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I, so God doesn't necessarily allow these things to happen. What he allows is for us to have choice. Yeah. Uh, and if, if he doesn't give us the choice, then we don't get to choose. And then again, we're kind of in that, 
uh, robot, android. We're just (laughs) yeah, he's just the master puppeteer, and we're just uh, you know. So you, but the the focus then the practicality is to focus on the choice. So with little kids, you can easily say, "Well, remember that one time that we were in the store and you took that piece of candy, (laughs) or whatever." You can relate to them. Say, "Now that was your choice to do it." Um, and so you can you can kind of build on that, and sure. as as they get older, you can kind of show the choice of this shooter, the choice of the person that caused this tragedy. That was their choice to do it. It breaks God's heart uh, when we choose those things. Scripture is very clear that those things affect deeply affect the Lord. Yeah. But I think what really then to push into practicality is to not make it just always lofty God up in heaven, but really focus on Jesus as a person. Mm. And then you can kind of say, this would break Jesus's heart. We yeah. we can see that these things, and then you 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 kind of humanize God. That's the that's what Jesus is. Right. is the person is the human side yeah. of who God is, and really focus on on, on Jesus in that way. I, I love focusing, uh, especially in sermons, especially talking to people during tragedy, on the humanness of of Jesus, and uh, really focus on Hebrews where uh, Jesus uh, understands what we're going through. And so you look at that as a as more of a parent adult and say, all right, I have to know that I won't be taken out of the difficult situations. Right. What I know is that I have a savior with me in those situations. Yeah. And how do you how do you tie that with your kids? I think that's such a powerful like reminder. But like, do you have a you know, with your own kids, I'm we're trying to think about this through our lens too. Like as we're leading our parent or as we're leading our kids spiritually and we're trying to get to that point, like, is there a prayer that maybe you've taught your kids or a moment where you say like, Hey, when you're feeling like this, you know, you can always go to God and here's how you do that. Mm-hmm. Is there a thing you've done with that? Yeah, we, um, we totally acknowledge the feelings, the big feelings. And then we say, let's give these to Jesus. Let's turn to him. Um, I'm looking here at numbers, in the Bible, number six, 24 through 26 is that famous benediction, the one that we, a lot of us pray at the end of services. And now it's a beautiful worship song. The Lord bless you and keep you. Mm, The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And we say that every Sunday in our services. We mm-hmm. sing that song with our students. We pray this with our kids. Um, it's just redirecting all of that back mm-hmm. to Jesus. He's with us, like Jesse said. He's yeah. walking with us. He's crying with us. He's rejoicing with us. Um, he's giving us strength. And John 1, 5 from the, the scripture says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And this has become like a rallying scripture for our youth ministry, for our students who are in the schools, is that we are the light. We partner with Christ to right. become the light. It's not just his job. It's our job, it's our job too. Yeah. too. Yeah. And to, sh- to shine that light, kindness, goodness, looking out for one another. Yeah. I think parents at home are maybe wondering, you guys said a lot of great things today, but what, what would be some, some really tangible, clear action steps for them at home? It's 
a fact of life now that our students, even the littlest ones, have to do active shooter drill, lockdown drill. Yeah. Um, and really making sure, like, your school is um, communicating that to you. Um, when you get those emails or those alerts, uh, you might think, oh, you know, they're, to tell your student, there might be some different things that happen at school today. It's going to be good. Prepping them. Yeah, yeah. preparing them. Yeah. And um, then do a follow-up later that day. So how'd it go today? How did you feel about that? Yeah. Um, don't bring in words directly like, were you scared? Were you frightened? Because then they're like, am I supposed to be? Yeah, should I be? <laughs> should yeah. I be? Yeah. Um, and then with older students... I tell parents you will never, ever regret regret asking them, how are you? How are you feeling today? How's yeah. it going? And most of the time, they're like, fine, yeah. good. Great, no, thanks. don't, don't, you know, <laughs> don't be put off by that. I always say, just keep asking them because some, one day they'll be like, it was rough. Yeah. Or I struggled. It wasn't good. Yeah. Um, another thing that I really encourage families to do, we do this with our kids. Who's the person at school or from youth group or um, church, but mainly for school Yeah. that you can go to, you can talk to when you feel really overwhelmed, you're having a hard time focused, you just are feeling very frustrated or scared, mm -hmm. um, anxious. Who's that person? And... Um, they'll tell me who it is. And yeah. then I I actually go the extra step. Um, maybe it might be annoying to some <laughs> educators because I've been an educator, but I appreciate this. I contact that adult. You're my kid's person. You're yeah. my kid's person. Yeah. And not once have they ever said back to me, oh, man. Just tell them they can't be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? They're actually like, okay, you got yeah. it. And we text, my daughter has a lot of, issues with anxiety and ADHD mm. and we text we'll call um, the office or her counselor because that's her person yeah and she yeah, it might not be their classroom teacher it might right, be a teacher from right. a different classroom that's right yeah yeah it's who they emotionally can connect with right that's more important than even the intellectual connection it's sure. who they're emotionally connecting with and that's also teaching our child to be um, an advocate for themselves yeah, yeah. Also, if your student has a cell phone and they're at school or they're away from you, what they can say, like a word, like um, that maybe is a special word, like turtle. Yeah. yeah. That's one for my son. Sure. Turtle. Yeah. And I know he's not doing good and we're going to try to make a connection and talk. Yeah. So you have a plan with him. Right. We make yeah. a plan and it empowers them that they have um, a way they don't feel powerless. Right. Yeah. It empowers them. That's something we've talked about with our, you know, in our student ministries is, you know, when you have that, we call it a crisis plan, essentially. Like so when, you're, when you have those moments of you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling overwhelmed, that you have a person, maybe it's a small right. group leader, maybe it's a person at your school yeah. um, that you can reach out to that, you know, you come up with a plan when you're in a clear mental health space and you're like in a healthy spot where you know, hey, this is the steps. And like you said, maybe it's turtle and turtle. Then when you get that text message right. that triggers your response of saying, hey, you know, you said turtle. Okay, like, are you taking your deep breaths? Like, are you, have you, here's a prayer to pray. Like, you have steps in line that knows um, that your student or child knows that there's something, you know, the next thing that's going to happen. And always acknowledge, I'm sorry you're feeling anxious right now. Yeah. I'm going to be praying for you. Here's a little prayer now. Yeah. Um, 
and get some water, stay hydrated. Did you have a snack today? Yeah. Like yeah. just practical things. Like what's your, where's your blood sugar at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. can you sneak a snack? Can you get a snack? Can you ask um, if you can get some water? Yeah. Like, you know, if my daughter's really tired and she hasn't eaten, it's a, you know, a bad combo. Yeah. <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up, I mean, you guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, and your experience has been so yeah, valuable so unique. and unique Thanks because it's, it's horrible that this happened so close to home for us. But um your experience and wisdom through all of it has been a huge gift and I know it will be a gift to those who are listening too. Yeah. And so as we kind of balance that idea of like being sad, like as we kind of wrap up, like how do you like in the whole grand scheme of things, find a way to lean on Jesus and all of this? I think um, for me, uh, we're talking about acknowledging your, your emotion and where you are and, most of that is grief. Most of that is is mourning and watching, you know, our our hometown right now in Oxford. You've got a whole community that are grieving, um, mm. and most grief is uh, just you're mourning the loss of what could have been, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, whatever that future is now changed. I remember the night of the vigil. I said, "What Oxford was yesterday, we are not today." Yeah, And just in one day, you see the whole community change. And that's part of grief. That's part of the mourning and walking through that process. And when it comes to even Jesus teaching on that, that's the only emotion that he really spoke to, uh, even on the Sermon on the Mount. uh, Blessed are those who mourn. And so we can see that when these tragedies happen, however they touch you, there is a level of grief that you have, Um, even if it's in a different city or a different town, or even if it's your neighbor, you have this level of grief, a different degree of it. But for me, it helps to acknowledge I'm grieving. I'm grieving what could have been. I'm grieving for my nation. I'm grieving for uh, whatever. Uh, And then know, again, that is Jesus talks about being... um, blessed in your mourning. And I I know sometimes when we give the Christian answers, they kind of sound trite or they're the pat answers or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, it's not something that is the answer to this. It is someone. And we really have to focus on, on him being the answer, being these things and really pushing in on our faith. Right. Even if that feels like that's not going to hold up, you know, yeah. that's not going to, I think we just say, no, you, you need to press in on your faith and these, knowing that you're grieving, knowing that you're in mourning, but moving forward in what he has for all of us. Yeah. 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 And good. I'll end with Psalm 34 because I think it encapsulates exactly that in Psalm 34, 18, where it says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I think so often when we feel that low place like we have to remember that we do have a God who loves us who is near to us and that is close to us when we call out to him so um, thank you guys again for being here Um, if people are having questions about maybe um, how to deal with this Taylor what are some you know practical resources we as Kensington can help offer yeah I can give one um, from Kensington but Andrea probably has way more than me (laughs) with her experience but um, if you go to kensingtonchurch.org forward slash care um, we have a hotline and we have a team of people um, who are ready to respond and help you navigate um, anything in the realm of mental health 
Um, and so we would love to meet you in that space. And then Andrea, I know you have some as well. Well, near and dear to my heart is the All for Oxford Resiliency Center yeah. in the Oxford Mills Shopping Plaza. They have a beautiful center there. Um, it received a grant, Oxford received a grant from the Department of Justice to be able to support the community and those who are struggling. And it's a great place to go. And that will help you navigate whatever you need for your family and your children. Uh, and it's all free. Um, so that is a huge blessing for families. Yeah. Also, um, Common Ground is an amazing mental health, emotional health support. They have a teen center. They have a children's center. They have um, urgent care for any sort of crisis that you mm -hmm. might be going through. So if you just look up Common Ground, they have all the resources there. And um, also, always if you're ever wondering, just touch base with your pediatrician. Yeah. They are wonderful. They'll do a good mental health screening with you and your child. Yeah. And um, they're a great place to start. Yeah. Yeah. And don't let those resources just like know that they're not just for um, your children. They're for you, the parent Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Resiliency Center, um, I just learned today, is not just for those who are directly affected um, with a tragedy that happened in right. Oxford, but it's open to the greater community. So right. um, if you need someone to talk to or you need additional resources, they would be happy to welcome you in the building. Absolutely. So. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys again. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Faith and Family Podcast. We hope this conversation was helpful and practical for you as you navigate this conversation with your kids. Join us next time as we dive into another topic that will help integrate faith into your family. 